Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. There's news in the NFL today. It's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rod Style. Oh, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar, Jonathan Harrison here as always, and the Hot Routes goat returns the voice of the intro and our friend, Manny Hill. What is going on, Manny? Great to have you, man. Wow, I'm honored you're calling me the Hot Routes goat. That's like, it's going to be, does this mean I'm the first inductee of the Hot Routes Hall of Fame? Is that what's going to, what's happening here? Absolutely. I'm with that. Let's do it. I mean, you you created a legendary intro. There have been so many tremendous episodes, including you for Hot Routes, that yes, I consider you to be the Hot Routes GOAT. And uh, you, you kicked it off. The first episode ever of the individual Hot Routes podcast was with you as well. So when it was playoff time, it was Manny time. So we are back and the NFL playoffs are here after week after week where Jonathan and I would waffle on what teams were even good, what teams we expected to be in the playoffs, who we thought was going to win, and we were usually wrong. So it's been an absolutely wild season. I'm going to throw this out there to you, Manny. Now, you and I agree as children of the 90s that uh, 1994 was one of those seasons where the entire league felt like it took this huge jump forward just as a league to the point where it is now where it's always setting those TV records. I don't remember a season where I got to the end and thought that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And now I feel like we can throw this into the category now that he's okay. Is DeMar Hamlin happening will never be forgotten. So many backup quarterbacks playing so many crazy games, the largest comeback in a single game of all time. I'm not saying that it rivals 94 for good football or what it will mean to the future, but in terms of the craziest of our lives, Manny, I just feel like as a hot routes, official historian, it's hard to deny how insane this whole thing has been. It, it really is. And when you think about just the Vikings specifically, I mean, you talked about the comeback against the Colts to to win 11 games by one possession. That's just that's nuts. You can't even like how many teams play one possession games 
total in a season. I mean, I know the Vikings played a lot of them last year and couldn't win a lot of them. Um, but to to play that many and to come out with a win in every single one of them is just uh, it's just nuts. And and the 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 Demar Hamlin thing, you look at the way the Bills, the very next game against the Patriots the other day, the taking the opening kickoff for a touchdown. I mean, that's just uh, it's goosebumps, man. That that type of stuff happens. It's it's kind of like when the Saints came back from you know, first game in the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina and they get the blocked punt and it just kind of really changed everything for that team that year. Um, and, you know, maybe that is kind of the same thing for the Bills. Maybe that means that they're kind of a team of destiny. We'll see. But, um, yeah, man, this this year has been – it's been wild. It's been crazy. But it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I had a cool moment uh, in the locker room in uh, Chicago the other day uh, Patrick Jones played with DeMar Hamlin and those two are close friends. And he actually got a chance to talk to DeMar before the game, but he didn't know what had happened in Buffalo. So I got to kind of break that news to him. that like, Hey, they returned the first kick return for touchdown. They won the game, you know, Buffalo's going crazy. So one of the uh, heartwarming after one of the scariest moments of all time on an NFL football field, but just throw that in the bucket of all sorts of totally wild things that have happened throughout the season that will make it unforgettable. So let's jump in to our hot routes, which as always is five questions all pertaining to the NFL playoffs. Here's what I want from you guys. All of these franchises, even the Jaguars have had their moments in playoffs past. I want you to look over the teams and give me your favorite franchise moments in the playoffs from a few of these clubs from years gone by. Why don't we start with Jonathan? Because Manny, you might take all of them from us. So why don't we why don't we begin with Jonathan? Go ahead. I'm gonna start with the one I put in the intro video here. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, Beastquake, Marshawn Lynch, basically just running through every single player on the Saints defense in a playoff game where the Seahawks shouldn't have been there because they were seven and nine, but they were there because they won their division. And we've talked plenty of times on this podcast about the NFL needing to change that rule that just because you win your division doesn't mean you deserve a playoff spot. The The NFC South is kind of key to that this season. Uh, Beastquake is up there just because of the moment and kind of what it meant for that city and kind of what it sparked after that in that dynasty really becoming a thing for a couple of years in Seattle. Uh, other than that, I know, Matthew, you won't want to mention the Music City Miracle, but that's a thing that happened in the playoffs to your bills. Why would you uh, do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> there's no point. There was a forward pass, and there's no there, – there's all sorts of things. Tennessee's not even in this. Tennessee lost. You don't have to bring no, them the, up. The Bills were in it. It was they a moment that happened. Super Bowls. The Bills beat a team 51-3 to in the playoffs. It was like Georgia against TCU. There's many playoff games. Greatest comeback in history. Many playoff games you could bring up for the Bills, and that's the one you go with? Because yeah. <laughs> I knew it would get that exact reaction. That's why I went with this. <laughs> uh, other than that, maybe Philly special just because it happened in the Super Bowl and they were just willing to to put that all on the line. You know, that you didn't have your starting quarterback for the season playing for, for Philadelphia, Nick Foles. And, you know, Doug Peterson just kind of threw it all out there, just called Philly special against the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, and they ended up winning. Uh, I think those those three moments – are ones that stick out immediately to me. Maybe David Tyree's catch as well. Helmet catch will always forever live in everyone's memory. Manny, why don't you take it away and take everybody else's answers here now? <laughs> well, I kind of figured one of you 
if not both of you would have the beast quake. Uh, Cause I think that's probably the most iconic moment uh, in Seattle postseason history, but I'm going to go a different route with the Seahawks. How about, <laughs> and it's a little unorthodox because it happened after the game, but Richard Sherman's post game interview with Aaron <laughs> Andrews after making a great play, great defensive play to seal the NFC championship game back in 2013 uh, for the Seahawks, the whole thing with Michael Crabtree. I'm the best. I'm the best corner in the game. You want to try me? You know all this other stuff, and uh, and just the 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 sort of circus and the controversy that followed that. Um, but uh, that was an amazing moment. A great defensive play um, by Richard Sherman in that moment that kind of sparked that. So um, that was a big one for the Seahawks. Uh, with the Vikings, obviously, it's the Minneapolis miracle, right? I mean, that's kind of the first one that that I think locally here everybody would come to mind. Um, the 49ers, any of the catches, right? Like there's three of them in the postseason, Dwight Clark, T.O., and Vernon Davis. Um, for the Eagles, I thought about fourth and 26. The uh, Eagles and the Packers, divisional round, 2003. The Eagles, the season is basically on the line it's fourth and 26 they're at like their own 30 yard line and uh donovan McNabb completes a pass to of all people reddy mitchell to convert the first down and the, of course the eagles would go on to win that game in overtime uh defensive coordinator for the packers that at that time uh, some guy named ed donatel i think was his name uh, was he, was he playing a shell defense at the time? Was he playing everybody back? <laughs> I think it was. Well, it's funny because I remember, uh, I think it was Buck Aikman and Chris Collinsworth at the time were doing that game for Fox. And after Mitchell makes the catch, the first thing Chris Collinsworth says is, I can't believe the Packers are playing this defense. Why are they? They're in a cover two. Why are they playing this type of defense? Yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, I think we're kind of learning a little bit about that with that Donatello this year. Um, and then one more quickly, the Ravens, I was trying to think of one for the Ravens, but then I, I, one popped up in my head. You guys remember back in 2000, the Ravens went on that first Super Bowl run, the divisional round against the Titans when Ray Lewis snatched the pass away from Eddie George and ran it back for a touchdown to basically ice that game. Um, just an all time but really underrated defensive play by one of the greatest defensive players ever. Um, and of course the Ravens went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So um, that's the one that came to my mind for that. Um, the Giants, Jonathan talked about it, Tyree catch. Um, so that's a big one. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I got. So a, a few um, that are like, tangentially related uh the mario manningham throw which may be one of the nfl's greatest throws in history from eli manning that sparked yeah. their drive to go win that super bowl um, when you talk about the ravens i think about the throw from joe flacco that somehow floated over the denver broncos defender on a denver broncos team that looked unstoppable like they should have just cruised to victory and somehow that ball just kept carrying and carrying like slow motion from joe flacco and then flacco putting together overall one of the greatest playoffs 
ever in history. And uh, when people make the argument for the Vikings for this year, I think they should look back to that one and like, hey, an average quarterback can do it uh, every once in a while. And the lights going out in the Super Bowl like that. I know that there's like five of them probably for most of these teams that we could bring up, but they had some seriously memorable ones. How about uh, when it comes to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, when they finally beat the Broncos to get to the AFC championship game and it was Mark Brunel and it was a great game. I think it was something like 30 to 27. It was just this, this heavyweight battle. The Jaguars had built up that team. They had the two great receivers, great defense, hall of fame, left tackle. And that was like the iconic moment of that era of great Jacksonville Jaguars football was them finding a way to sort of slay the dragon and beat the uh, incredible Denver Broncos with John Elway. That's a great one that came to mind with um, San Francisco. I think of the game. I want to say it was against, was it against the giants when they fumbled away the punt um, that cost them a chance to go to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. I think that was the giants and how the giants ended up ultimately getting there. So some of these teams, including another one that we'll talk about the, Los Angeles Chargers have some real tragedies in their history. The Vikings uh, Vikings fans think they're the only ones, but they're not. The time the Chargers were playing the Patriots, and it was one of their great seasons with Phillip Rivers, they get an interception. If the guy just goes down to a knee, they're going to win the game, and he runs it back, and he fumbles. I forget what year that was. It might have been like 07. It was 06. And, yeah, 06. And then there was another year, it might have been the next season or the previous one, where Nate Kading had an easy field goal to win the game, ends up missing it. So there are a lot of those. I don't remember any by Buffalo specifically. Um, that maybe Jonathan can bring something up there. Uh, but, you know, there, there's just there's just so many of these for every single franchise uh, that I love. I was going to bring up the Richard Sherman one, which was super memorable, but also maybe you shouldn't have thrown the ball. Seattle Seahawks. Maybe you should have just given it to Marshawn Lynch at the goal line. And how about the Dallas Cowboys who had some unbelievable wins against the San Francisco 49ers. And I would put that series in a category of its own 49ers and Cowboys. So the time that the 49ers finally got the monkey off their back, as uh, Steve Young said, after the Super Bowl and beat the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. And also Tony Romo just, Catch it, put it down, kick the extra or kick the field goal, you win. Nope, couldn't do it. Uh, and Des caught it. Des caught it. That's, yes, he did. Uh, that would be the other thing. Des definitely caught it. So there, there are so many of those, but just when you look over the teams, a snapshot of all of them uh, for us that come to mind. So my next question for you guys is, and we could start with Manny on this one. When you look at last year's playoffs and then you look at this year's playoffs, you will notice something. Most of the teams are actually different from who where they were last year. So I want you guys to tell me which playoff teams you are certain will not be back in next year's playoffs. I, this was pretty easy for me. The, the one that's a guarantee for me is I don't think the Buccaneers are going to sniff the playoffs next year mainly because I don't think Tom Brady is going to be quarterbacking them next year. He's either, I think he's either going to retire or he's going to end up somewhere else. Um, That team is just, uh, they've just aged really, really quickly. Um, And it's okay. I mean, they won a Super Bowl two years ago, so who cares? Um, But uh, yeah, it just, it just seems like that, that magic that they had a couple of years ago is just kind of gone. They're 
got a lot of older players. Julio Jones is just kind of hanging on for dear life right now at this point of his career. And like I said, Brady, I can't imagine Brady's going to be back there. Um, that seems like a team that is really going to fall off the map um, next year and probably, you know, win four or five games maybe. I mean, what you know, what are they going to do at quarterback? If, you know, Brady leaves, what's the plan? I mean, are they going to make a run for Derek Carr maybe in the offseason because it sounds like he's going to be available? You know, maybe that would help them a little bit. But the way things are trending for them, this is kind of their last shot with this group, I think. So the Buccaneers are one. I thought about Miami, too, just kind of the way they kind of backed into the playoffs this year. You kind of wonder, you know, what their future is going to look like. They've got some terrific pieces. Um, but this Tua situation, you know, what's going to happen with him? What kind of quarterback is he going to be after the three concussions this year? So, um, but yeah, the Buccaneers are definitely the team I was looking at immediately. Like, I can't imagine this team being back in the postseason next year. What do you think? Yeah, I had the, I had the Bucks as well, but if I'm not going to choose them, I'm going to choose the Chargers. I just don't trust Brandon Staley right now. I mean, you play two of your, you play a bunch of your starters in a game where you don't really need it. And you get two of your key players injured in the final week of the season in a meaningless game. What are you doing? And it just seems like if things go wrong, it just starts to kind of snowball for the Chargers. And I love Justin Herbert. He's a fun quarterback to watch. They've got a fun team there. It's just their head coach does some baffling things sometimes. And he went from wonder kid to what are you doing very, very quickly across the league with some of his decisions and kind of going for it in situations where you probably don't want to go for it. Yes. He was praised for that in the beginning, but then he started doing it a little too much. And it's just, I don't know. There's some things there with Brandon Staley that I think he needs to kind of learn going into his, I believe his third year as a head coach there that I just don't see him learning so far through this season. So I'd say because of the division that they're in and the rest of that conference as a whole, the AFC is so tough that you can't keep making mistakes like Brandon Staley and the Chargers have that they might not be there next year. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So you guys are going to make me say it, huh? Yep. I see. I see. I see what you guys did. <laughs> I see what you guys did. I'll say it. The Vikings. Let's say the Vikings because, well, well, when you look at the salary cap, when you look at how they had to win this year, not that you have to take those wins away, but they are hard to repeat. You look at the age of their core players. 
This was the 99th percentile outcome for Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. Do you get that again? Uh, what's left of Adam Thielen? We're kind of seeing him become a possession receiver. Uh, I think there's probably more on the bone there for him than was like allowed because the offense is all Justin Jefferson, but Kirk Cousins will be a year older. He's taken a ton of punishment this year. Also, the Vikings had nine home games and seven away games. That's going to be different next year where they'll have nine away games and uh, eight home games. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's quite a change from what they've had this year. A lot of things go right. A lot of health uh, issues that they avoided this year that in the past they've had some key injuries where it's, you know, you're missing Daniel Hunter for half a season and so forth. Players become more expensive and their previous draft did not yield very much. And it doesn't look like in the immediate future that they're going to be impact players, um, Lewis Seen or Andrew Booth Jr., because they're going to essentially be rookies next season after getting hurt and missing this entire year. So I think, and plus a first place schedule, which means they will face what Kansas city. I mean, they've got some hard teams that they're going to have to play next year. They are a very clear regression candidate. I also think uh, Seattle would be another one where you assume, Oh, they took a step forward this year on kind of a rebuild. And then the next year they'll just be better. But you talk about 99th percentile outcomes, Geno Smith, like even repeating what Geno Smith did, Look at the second half of his season, pretty unlikely, but also how do you not re-sign him or bring him back when he just did this? So they're in a tough position where he'll probably regress, and instead of a 100 quarterback rating, it'll probably be like 92, and so they might not win as many games. And always teams are getting better in, in things uh, within divisions. The Giants might be another team, negative point differential, expected eight-win team this year, but they end up with one more than that and a tie and end up in the playoffs. I agree with you, Manny, that uh, when it comes to Miami, I'm just not sure at all of their future. And how about, I mean, if you really wanted to take a hot routes take to the absolute hottest, you could say, well, it's going to be tough for Baltimore when Anthony Brown or whoever he is is their quarterback and not Lamar Jackson. But that may be too hot for even hot routes to say just yet. But if Lamar is not at quarterback, then they will not be making the playoffs. So uh, reactions. Yeah, I mean, I I thought about the Vikings too. Um, you know, you just look at the the way some of their guys on defense have have kind of aged, and and we've kind of seen some of those guys wear down over the course of the year, right? Zadarius Smith got off to a really nice start first half of the year, hasn't been as effective later on in the year, and you just have to wonder if the age and and I know he's been dealing with kind of a knee thing, I think, for most of this year. Um, so you kind of wonder if that's that's caught up to him, you know, it, the schedule is going to be tougher for and, and, you know, I just talked about it earlier. You win 11 one score games, you go undefeated in one score games. That's just not we've been saying it all year. This is not sustainable. This is not sustainable. Well, it's been pretty sustainable this year, but over the course of multiple seasons, it's not sustainable. So I have to imagine that the Vikings are going to come back to the pack next year. And I kind of think the Detroit Lions are going to take a pretty significant step forward and possibly win that division next year. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Packers. If the Vikings regress back to the mean, you know, that division is going to be for the taking for Detroit because the Bears are going to be lousy again. So, um, yeah, the the Vikings are definitely a team I could see missing. Um you know, 
you mentioned the the Ravens. What what are they going to do with Lamar Jackson? I mean, it's it's a no brainer. Pay the man. All he does is win for you. Pay him. Pay him. So, yeah, that's I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I kind of have a hard time saying any of the NFC teams because you look at how the NFC has played out this year and how there's been a lack of really outside of the Eagles and the 49ers coming on late in the season. There's really been a lack of team that's just going to separate and just lead the lead the conference like the like the Chiefs did last year. I mean, you don't have teams in each division that are going to just run away with it in each of those divisions. So mo- some of these teams they might not win their divisions again like the Vikings or the Bucks, but they could sneak in as a wild card. So I think it's I think it's a little hard to say and that's that was the premise of this question was who are you sure is not going to be back? I'm not sure about any of those NFC teams that they won't be back because of the of the wild card and the fact that they could sneak in that way. So yes, the teams that we mentioned, the Vikings and the Buccaneers are definitely going to regress because of the other teams in their conference and kind of what they're dealing with in their roster situations, but there's still room that they could sneak in in the wild card next year. I mean, I agree with you, Manny, the lions, they're most likely going to take the NFC North and it's not even going to be close between the rest of those teams because the Packers are going to fall off without Aaron Rodgers. The bears are in rebuilding year number two under their new management, the Vikings. Well, we'll see what they do with their aging roster and their tight cap situation. So the Lions probably are going to take the NFC North, but there's still room in the the wild card rounds or the wild card spots to take to slot in and find a, a sneak your way into the playoffs. One thing is that I mean injuries, of course, are something we can't predict at all. But I also think that way more changes in the off season than we can ever project. I mean, think about the Chicago Bears right now. I mean, we talk about their rebuild, and it always seems when you have a three win season like you are seven years away. But they also have a hundred million dollars in cap space to spend. <laughs> and if they stick with J- Justin Fields, they give him an offensive line, they get him a couple more weapons, and all of a sudden you might be talking about probably not a Super Bowl team, but look what Jacksonville did this year, where last year they came out of the season with some questions about Trevor Lawrence. They signed Christian Kirk. They spent all this money. Everyone went, why are they spending all this money? It's because they have it. And that's why. That's, you know, you're not going to the uh, the aisle where you have to try to get good deals or using coupons at the grocery store. I mean, you are going for the filet mignon when you have all that uh, salary cap space. And I, I think that Chicago will get much better because they'll just have a completely different roster for next year. How about New look Orleans? Way, well, I was going to say, look, look at the way Detroit jumped up. I mean, right. the, the Lions were mm-hmm. terrible last year. They couldn't win a game until they beat the Vikings at the last second. Um, and then uh, they made this huge jump and were on the, on the doorstep of making the playoffs. Right. I mean, I, there's a lot of examples of that. New Orleans is another team I was going to bring up that, like, if they get Derek Carr, they all of a sudden have Chris Olave. They've got good offensive line. They've got, like, all this, you know, things can change so fast. Um, so right now you might look at it and say, like, how could this team ever fall off? And then when we get there, like, oh, okay, that's how. But there's a lot of teams that we would have put in the playoffs going into this season that didn't make it. Uh, next question for you guys. I want to talk about trust. I trust both of you guys. We are friends. We've worked together and, and I believe in both of you. So when we're going to do hot routes, I know you're going to be there. And if my car was broken down, I wouldn't call Jonathan because he lives a million miles away, but I know you'd come get me, Manny. We trust each (laughs) other. Okay. So I want to talk about this. Who in the NFL playoffs do you guys trust the most coaches and quarterbacks? Who do you believe in? Why don't you start off, Jonathan? 
I'm going to believe in Joe Burrow just because of his quote alone last week. If you have him, the window is always open. I mean, you won me over right there. You already won me over last season. But when you have that kind of confidence and you have that kind of quote coming out as you go into the your second season of the playoffs, bring it on, man. I'm all in on Joe Burrow. Uh, before you you put the, uh, the playoff label on who you trust, I had Dan Campbell on here. Not because I trust that he's going to have a good game plan. I trust that it's going to be a wild, fun ride. That just ha- you have no idea where this thing is going because we saw last week in in against Green Bay a hook and ladder late in the game when you need when you need a first down and he he's ballsy enough to call that bring it on I'm I'm all in on Dan Campbell I trust him uh, as for people I don't trust in the playoffs caller you'll know this one's coming Mike McCarthy I just don't trust that man as head coach of what should be a very good Dallas Cowboys side you saw what they did last week just miserable against the Washington commanders and the third string quarterback there. I just don't trust Mike McCarthy. I don't think it's going to go well. That might come up later. Uh, but yeah, that's my, that's on my, those are my three picks right now. So I think the quarterback that I trust the most is Patrick Mahomes. Um, I mean, he's the best, he's the, he's the (laughs) best on the planet. (laughs) Uh, he's played in, he's played in two Super Bowls already. He's, very likely, I, I think, going to win his second MVP. Um, you know, need I say more um, as far as guys that I trust? But I do, you know, with that said, I do like Jonathan's pick of Joe Burrow. I mean, he just showed it last year that the guy's a gamer. He's a winner. Um, you know, there's very few guys I want leading my team as, and, um, ahead of him. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen's another guy, too. But uh, Mahomes is the guy I probably trust the most. The coach I trust the most, there's two of them. Um, Andy Reid, I mean, he's been doing it forever. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's won, um, you know, he won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Kyle Shanahan's another guy that I that I trust just because it doesn't matter who he has at quarterback. He just finds a way to, to, just, to just get it done. His system is great, very quarterback friendly. Is, you know, whoever it is, whether it's Brock, Brock Purdy or Jimmy Garoppolo, they just go in and they execute the offense. They have a lot of weapons still. Um, the defense is is fantastic. So Kyle Shanahan's a coach that I trust as well. A quarterback that I trust the least right now is anybody that the whoever the Dolphins start. I don't, you know, I know there's still some rumblings like maybe Tua's gonna play. Even if first of all, I don't think Tua should play. If he does. I'm not sure I trust him to be at his best just because of what he's dealt with this year. Um, so if it's Tua, I don't trust him. If it's, I mean, I love me some Teddy Bridgewater, but if it's Teddy, I don't trust him. If it's Skylar Thompson, I definitely don't trust him in a postseason <laughs> game. Uh, and then the coach I trust the least is Brandon Staley. I just, I, it, to Jonathan's point earlier, I mean, what are you doing, man? You're, you're setting your team up to fail in the playoffs by getting your guys hurt in a game that means nothing in week 18. Like, what the hell are you doing? So um, those are my picks for for this one. Well, I feel like you guys are just intentionally trying to get me to say. The... <laughs> do, I have to say do I have to say it? 
I, I knew you guys are just like, no, nah, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going <laughs> to say I don't it. trust I'm Kirk. I'm going to set it up on a tee just for you, Collar. I, I ain't going to say I don't trust Kirk. I mean, look, if uh, when it comes to Kirk Cousins, if there was any year to trust him, it's this year with the way that he's played in, in terms of his clutch play. But also his history is the Kirk coaster where one week it could be amazing and the next week you're really confused at what the heck just happened. So I guess fine, I'll say it. I'm going to have to be convinced to trust him to go all the way through the playoffs because we haven't seen it before. Is that Minnesota nice enough for everybody? Um, <laughs> uh, so we'll start there. Uh, I agree with McCarthy, but here's the thing. Todd Bowles is the other coach. Yeah. I don't trust Todd Bowles fair. at all. I mean, I get that. now Bruce Arians, okay. You know, he's going to air it out and everything else, but Todd Bowles, man, I think that he is a tremendous defensive coordinator, but think about last year. What does he do in the biggest moment? Sends this preposterous blitz after Matthew Stafford, who's always been great against the blitz, gives up the huge play, loses the game, and then they gave him the head coaching duties. Like, okay. Uh, and, and just he doesn't know how to manage a clock at all. I'm not sure that he even knows what offense is, and theirs has been miserable for most of the season. So I don't trust Todd Bowles. Weirdly, though, his quarterback, I think I have reason to trust him a little in the playoffs, Tom Brady. Uh, so that's like a, an oxymoron or something. Like, I don't trust their coach, and I don't trust their team, but I still do trust Tom Brady to make things difficult on the Dallas Cowboys. I think Cowboys are a lot better than the Tampa Bay Bucks, but it's Tom Brady, and I'm just never going to say – that I don't believe that he could pull an upset or that he could win that game. I think here's one that I wouldn't have said last year. I might trust Zach Taylor last year. I thought that Zach Taylor's offensive scheme was eh, a little, whatever, but they've adjusted. I mean, they have more pre-snap movement. They really take advantage of the quick game in ways that they didn't before. And it's almost like Jamar Chase's injury actually helped them figure some things out for how to protect their offensive line, how to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. And he has been sacked way less. So the fact that he took them to the Super Bowl last year and then made adjustments in a smart way, I think I actually trust him. Neither of you guys saying you don't trust Brock Purdy. Come on. He's a rookie quarterback. <laughs> I don't think any rookie quarterback has ever taken his team to the Super Bowl, much less one that is a seventh round draft pick. I am wowed by what they have done. They've also done it against some underwhelming opponents. And I'm just saying, I'm not taking away. I'm just saying that Brock Purdy against a lot of average or mediocre or bad teams has been excellent. Is he going to be able to take them all the way to the Super Bowl? It kind of feels like even Ben Roethlisberger's first year where eventually the magic kind of ran out for the rookie. So I do not trust Brock Purdy. I also don't trust Geno Smith, but uh, we're talking about a deep potential deep playoff run. And as far as who I trust, and I'm going to say this with no like hyperbole at all, Sean McDermott, trust the man with my life because look at the way that he handled everything this year. And also the success year after year that he's had on defense on offense. It's very easy to be like, well, you know, how about that freak boy they got? But when you talk about like a defense that has had all sorts of injuries that is, that has made up for that Vaughn Miller out for them, their safety's injured there, you know, and then they go through what they went through. And he was the one that stepped up and said, we can't keep playing this game. We got to get everybody off the field and think about the level of trust and belief that that team has in him. I would say Sean McDermott, who I think should easily be coach of the year now at this point, because of all this, I have a lot of trust in him.
So any reactions to who we trust? And you guys, trust you guys a lot. No, I like this. I like the Sean McDermott selection. I mean, that's everything the Bills have had to endure this year is just amazing that they can go through what they went through last week and then this past week go on and and, and put on a, a great performance um, in the last game of the year. Um, it's just it just shows a level of resiliency that the team has, the level of character that they have. And that's a reflection of the head coach. I mean, that's just um, it's it's really amazing uh, what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I thought about Brock Purdy too, uh, as far as quarterbacks I don't trust. But then I thought, well, I did just say I trust Kyle Shanahan, so I feel like I trust <laughs> Kyle Shanahan to put Brock Purdy in situations where he can't completely sabotage the season. You know, now if they have to go on the road to Philadelphia for an NFC Championship game that might be difficult to overcome, but I, I feel like Shanahan's going to do enough for Brock Purdy. And that defense is so good that they'll at least be able to get to the NFC championship game. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens at that point. Yeah. I, I agree on Kyle Shanahan. I agree on not trusting Brock Purdy just because the rookie status, the uh, Mr. Irrelevant status. Yes. That he's gone on taken, the last guy taken, <laughs> last guy taken right. and he's undefeated <laughs> heading into the playoffs. Incredible run for him, but just a lot stacked up against him. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him in the playoffs to perform. And I don't know that he's going to be able to, I'm, I'm surprised we got through all this and we didn't mention John Harbaugh and trusting, trusting status because of the, the run he's had in 15 years as the Baltimore Ravens head coach, only two losing seasons. And he's 10 and seven this year without Lamar Jackson for a number of weeks. I would trust John Harbaugh to lead me through the playoffs because as Collar mentioned a little bit ago, uh, Joe Flacco's miraculous run, John Harbaugh was the head coach for it. So I would trust him. The only thing I don't trust about John Harbaugh is his commitment to Greg Roman as their offensive <laughs> coordinator, which I don't fully understand. And I don't think he fully understands <laughs> passing offense. I just, it's, so it's, it's been kind of weird with him since that first couple of years. Uh, okay. Next question for you guys. Now, I, I initially, like, I, I wrote down the question, and then I thought, no, this is going to be too easy. And then I'm like, well, maybe, maybe not, though. So would you rather have an amazing wild card weekend where there is nonstop football in your face? Listen to how much football is in your face. So on Saturday, football begins in your face at 3.30 and runs all the way through, I mean, central time, all the way through 10 o'clock. That's like seven hours of football. Then on Sunday, begins at noon, runs all the way through 10 o'clock at night. That is 10 hours of football. And then you get a Monday night game, okay? So would you rather have this weekend, the most absurd NFL weekend of the year, be amazing or the amazing Super Bowl? If you could only pick one, would it be the wild card weekend is great or a great Super Bowl? If I told you... Oh, look, the wild card weekend is going to be a clunker. You're going to waste your time. However, it'll be a legendary Super Bowl. Or if I told you, you're going to get all those hours with 27 hours of amazing football, all great games, but it's going to be 41 to 10 in the Super Bowl. Which would you rather have, Jonathan, you make the first pick? I'm going to go amazing Super Bowl because just off the top of your heads, how many wild card games do you guys remember from the past couple of years? How many amazing Super Bowls do you remember from the past 50 years of Super Bowls. I'm going to take an amazing Super Bowl because it's the final thing of every single season. It's how you will remember 
every season. Yes, there may be great seasons like 94, or there may be wild things that happen like this season, but you're always going to remember that Super Bowl and how it capped off that season. And we'll always remember last year's Super Bowl because it was an epic battle between two teams. We're always going to remember those big Super Bowls. So I'll always take an amazing Super Bowl over an amazing wild card weekend over an amazing divisional or conference round because it's the final thing you rem- remember for nine months without football. Give me an amazing Super Bowl any day of the week. Yeah, I'm with Jonathan on this. Give me a close, tightly contested, amazing Super Bowl that comes down to the wire. And I say that because, number one, I hate when championship games are blowouts. It drives me crazy. But I also just hate when I've seen my share of Super Bowls that sucked, and it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Um, I remember doing a, a, a live Facebook stream um, watching the uh, the last Patriots Rams Super Bowl, the 13 to three game in Atlanta. And uh, it was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. It was just we, we didn't get a touchdown till late in the fourth quarter. It was I think it was what three nothing at halftime in favor of the Patriots. Um, and, and seeing that, and then the, the Steelers Seahawks Super Bowl was not very good. You know, those games are just not fun to watch. Hell, we just watched a national championship game last night. That was 65 to seven. It was terrible. I didn't want to see that last night. Give me a great finale championship game, Super Bowl national championship game, game seven of a, of a final series, whatever, um, that's what I prefer every single time. And it was 65 with a missed extra point of all things. Yes. Uh, so I get what you guys are saying. And there is the nation weeps when there's a bad Super Bowl. I mean, because everyone is watching it. And I mean, when the snap went bad for Peyton Manning against the Seahawks, first play just, of the game, it's just like, <laughs> no, no, yeah. don't make the don't, no. It does feel there. There is a sinking feeling when a Super Bowl when that happens, even twenty eight to three before the Patriots came back, where it was just like, what? So now I just got to like go on with my life. Like this, this is awful. I so I get it. I feel you. However. Think of the sheer number of games that we're talking about for this weekend. I mean, if you get great game after great game after great game, I mean, it is just like football washing over your soul. I mean, because none of us are, well, I'm covering a game on Sunday, but none of us are doing anything else, right? It's just your entire being in this weekend is dedicated to the NFL and in some ways, you could argue that it's the best weekend of the entire NFL season. So I totally get you. And I did think that both of you would say that. And even, I mean, ultimately, do, do we remember that the Jaguars beat the Bills in the wild card round 10 to 6 or whatever the heck it was the one year? I mean, like, no, we don't, right? We just look, we remember the Super Bowls. We remember whether they were great or terrible. And I agree that it starts you off on the offseason. But man, it's a lot of football. If it was all bad, think about how like sad that would be leaving this weekend and being like, well, there were that many, 27 hours of football and it couldn't give me anything, which I, I think, and this tells you about the memorable nature of this. I think that happened last year where there was like a lot of bad games to start wildcard weekend and we completely forgot about them. So I will concede that you guys make the better points 
but I really just don't want a bad weekend when there's this much <laughs> going on. Uh, last question. What is your favorite pick? Your absolute dead set lock of the century. You'd bet every dime that someone else owns. Cause I know neither of you have any money. So, but uh, <laughs> no, seriously, but uh, your, your, your deadlock, what is, what is the, the, I am picking this game because I am so sure of it that I would bet anything. Well, where do you, where do you want to go with that, Manny? This was easy for me. I don't think the dolphins have a chance in hell in Buffalo. I don't think they have a shot. I don't think this game is going to be close. We saw last year when the bills played the wild card weekend and hosted the Patriots and they just absolutely demolished new England. And that was a pretty decent Patriots team uh, with a pretty good defense and a young rookie quarterback. If, if it's Skylar Thompson playing for the dolphins, especially this weekend, this is going to be ugly in Buffalo and every, the, the bills have everything going for them right now. All of the momentum, um, they're, they're kind of everybody's sort of darling pick right now just because of everything they've gone through over the last couple of weeks. Um, and that place, I mean, Caller, you grew up there. That place is a very difficult place to go into, especially this time of the year. Uh, when you're the Dolphins and you're kind of a warm-weather team anyway, going up into Buffalo for a playoff game is just um, – that's a that's a tough hill to climb. I don't think Miami has a shot in this game. Caller won't be surprised where I go with this one for my lock of the week. Tom Brady is going to run roughshod over the Dallas Cowboys, and Jerry Jones is going to be so sick of his all-star team that he's a, uh, that he's put together. He's just going to fire Mike McCarthy on the spot and call Sean Payton and tell him, you're not going to Denver, you're going to Dallas, and you're going to be the head coach here because they're going to lose two years in a row in the first round of the playoffs, and it's not going to be worth it for Jerry Jones to keep doing this, to spend that much money. And he's going to want Sean Payton in there because he doesn't want Sean Payton to go elsewhere. And he knows Sean Payton's going to come back in the league next year for some team. It looks like Denver right now, but if things go bad with Dallas this weekend, and I mean, it went bad for them last week against Sam Howell and the Washington commanders, Mike McCarthy's gone after this weekend, boys. Find something you despise as much as Jonathan hates Mike McCarthy. Uh, I have to say, I have to say this though, that Mike McCarthy kind of owned you a little bit, a little bit, because earlier this season you were guaranteeing that Dallas was going to fall off after Cooper rush because of Mike McCarthy. So, Hey, look, I mean, he's been to the playoffs last two years with, great i mean great seasons during the regular season they really have to win that game for him though or i think it'll be honestly just really embarrassing to be this good in the regular season and then fall off the face of the earth um i am going to go a little bit uh a little bit hot here although i think jonathan calling a a dallas loss is pretty hot i don't know if i can go hotter than that but we're going to give the state of florida a lot of credit my deadlock is the jacksonville freaking Jaguars beating the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't buy the Chargers. I think uh, them getting themselves hurt. um, I know you guys have brought that up multiple times, but it is like really preposterous. Uh, And I just think that they're a pretty flawed team with a quarterback who somehow, and I'm not trying to be a Justin Herbert hater. Okay. I've seen the discourse online and it's disturbing, but 
there is something to the fact that Justin Herbert can seem to put up great numbers and not a lot of points in a game. You could be like, Justin Herbert threw for 442 yards and they won 16 to eight. And you're like, what? <laughs> like what? They only scored 16 points. Like it just seems to happen all the time with him. And I don't know. And this is, this is one observation that I have made about Justin Herbert, him and Trevor Lawrence are equally talented, total freak shows, top draft picks, unreal talents. I think Trevor Lawrence is a little more gutsy. I think that he is willing to put it on the line where, where, Justin Herbert has an unbelievable arm. It's almost like sometimes he doesn't remember that and he will just check it down a lot. And then, and they punt a lot because of it. I think that Jacksonville is playing incredibly confident football. Doug Peterson is, is more uh, experienced and all of us could be completely wrong about these, but these are the deadlocks of the century. Do not gamble with them. We are not gambling (laughs) experts at all. So if you lose all of your money, then it's your problem. Uh, anyway, well, this has been uh, fantastic to have the Hot Routes goat, Manny Hill, back on the show. Jonathan Harrison, and uh, you lived up to the billing, Manny. Just a just tremendous, tremendous work, and great to have you here. And uh, Jonathan, I guess uh, next week we'll be breaking down the most boring wild card weekend if you have it your way. You said you don't even want to game. I looked back. By the way, I looked back at last year's. It was truly garbage last year, and and I'll admit. I didn't remember exactly how garbage it was, but it was the Rams crushing Arizona, Tampa Bay destroying Philadelphia. Remember Jalen Hurts was so bad in that game. Buffalo 47-17 over New England, which could also happen against Miami. Kansas City annihilating Pittsburgh. There were only two good games, and that was the Cincinnati um, and San Francisco wins. And you know what? We all got over it with a pretty great Super Bowl, so I have to give that one to you after looking at that. But here's to memorable wildcard weekend and the rest in this playoff. So thanks again, Manny, for, for stopping by. Always a pleasure. I love them. Hot routes, baby. Till next time. I love it. And uh, thank you everyone for taking the time to listen and uh, all of our shows. We do hot routes once a week, um, but also if you're a Vikings fan and watching purple insider podcast, wherever you get your podcasts every single day. And in fact, every 12 hours during playoff season, I am posting a new podcast. We're doing a lot of work here. So uh, thanks everybody. And we will talk to you all next Tuesday.